and what's good, everybody? What's good, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Amatel Like a TIS podcast with your host, yours truly, Jai Shields. Got a jam-packed, busy football field show for you this go-around. Going to touch on the Ravens and the fact they have just been essentially unstoppable since their late September loss against the Cleveland Browns. Touch on who I think is the NFC West favorite to win that division. Give you who I think the top team in the National Football League is. Touch on the Lions, Bears, and Chargers being terrible. Vikings come back against the Broncos. And I'll touch on Patriots-Eagles recap that game. And I'll touch on Tua's injury, how that affects the college football player. Playoff, excuse me. And the NFL team's taking form as well as preview week 12. And as well as preview, preview week 12. And give you my picks for week 12. So, we begin this show with the Baltimore Ravens. A Baltimore Ravens team that has been essentially unstoppable and looking like the best team in the National Football League right now. This team has won four straight games by 14 points or more. They've won four games in a row by two touchdowns or more. They beat the they beat the Houston Texans 41 to 7. Lamar Jackson 17 for 24, 222 yards and four touchdown passes. Four. And Gus Edwards had eight carries for 112 yards and a touchdown. I mean, this team has is just on another level. If you want to talk about a well-balanced football team, it is the Baltimore Ravens. I don't see where they have a weakness. Their quarterback can play. Lamar Jackson, dual threat. He can run. He can run. He can wear you out running the football, and then he can and then he can throw the football quite well. He can, he can throw you. He can get you touchdown passes. I mean, he Lamar Jackson right now. And I know, of course, I've criticized him in the past. I've been rough on him. I've been like, let's ease up on a Lamar Jackson hype. But granted, he's earned it. He's earned the hype, and he's and he's backed it up. Lamar Jackson has done a phenomenal, phenomenal job for the for the for the Ravens team and for their offense. I mean, he I mean he's he's this year's Patrick Mahomes. 
I mean, he's ma he's making people that don't normally pay attention to the Baltimore Ravens like Ravens, Lamar Jackson. I gotta watch this. He's making the Ravens remote stopping uh, TV. He he he's doing things that we haven't seen too many quarterbacks do before, as far as his talent and his skill set. Excuse me, skill set and the numbers that he put that he's putting up that he's put up. I mean, he is on another level, and there is no reason in the world why he should not be a lock for Offensive Player of the Year. And there's no question why the top two for MVP this year is Russell Wilson and uh, Lamar Jackson. Me, personally, I think Russell Wilson should get it myself because the Seahawks are a little bit more dependent on Russell Wilson. They've kind of built that entire team around him. Defense and offense. When I say defense, meaning that they kind of that they've let the guys go that were kind that they liked Russ Wilson, they, but they kind of you know they kind of they weren't they weren't in love with Russell Wilson. The Seahawks team was in love with Russell Wilson. The Russell Wilson is the centerpiece of the team. I'm not saying Lamar Jackson isn't, but it's like you take Russell Wilson off the Seahawks, they're. A, I mean, they, they, I got to be honest, the Seahawks are a 7-8 win team. Ra Raven, Ravens, ha Ravens have a has a phenomenal defense that by themselves gets them eight wins. So I think so. I think Russell Wilson is a little bit more valuable to the Seahawks than Lamar Jackson is to the Ravens. But that's, that's just me. That's why I would give Russell Wilson the MVP over Lamar Jackson. But Lamar Jackson, without question, should be... It's not even up for debate. Should be offensive player of the year for the numbers that he's put up, for the numbers that he's put up this season. I mean, what what a job. What a job. And I know early in the season, I was given, you know, I, I'm, I, I'll be fair. I was like, they got to prove me. They got to prove to me that they, how they can handle playing a decent team. They got to prove to me this and prove to me that. Beating, you know, the the Cardinals, the uh, the Dolphins, the you know, beating the beating the golf, the Dolphins and the Cardinals doesn't prove prove me anything. You know, I got to see a little more. And ever since that Week Four home loss against the Browns on September the 29th, this team has been on fire. They beat the Steelers 26 to 23, beat my Bengals 23-17 the next week. Went into Seattle, which is one of the toughest places, not just in football, but in all of sports to play. And it doesn't get any easier when you're going up against Pete Carroll, who's a good head coach, and Russell Wilson, who's a potential Hall of Fame caliber quarterback. It doesn't get any easy. It doesn't get any. They go in one of the toughest places to play in all of American, North American, American professional sports. They go into Seattle, and they beat them thirty to sixteen. Then they come home and they and then they have a bye week. Then they come home and play the Patriots on Sunday Night Football in front of everybody. Lamar Jackson's Lamar Jackson's first, I believe, his first ever uh, game and start on Sunday Night Football in a big stage. First time the Ravens have played the Patriots at home on Sunday Night Football in seven years since their Super Bowl season. And what do they do? The defense comes out, punches Brady and that pathetic uh, Patriot offense. And I'll get to them later on in the show. But the defense comes out there, give uh, Don Martindale a lot of credit. Give Don Martindale a lot of credit. 
on coaching up his guys and, and uh, developing the right schemes and game plans to go up against to go up against Brady, who is no walk in the park under any circumstances. And what do they do? They let they Tom Brady comes into Baltimore and they straight up punch him in the mouth in front of national television. And oh by the way, Lamar Jackson practically. You know, pulls a Nick Foles and lights and lights the Patriots defense up like it's the Christmas tree at Rockefeller Center. Then they play my Bengals, which is a given. But still, Lamar and the defense still played well in the game. And then they go up against Deshaun Watson and Texans, who are a good team. And now, granted, with their their win last night against the Colts, proof that they're not going very far in the playoffs. And they, I don't care how poorly the Patriots defense is. They can. They are not under any circumstances going into the Foxborough and beating Brady. That that is just that is just a, a god given fact. But they but they are a good playoff team that's most likely going to win their division. They came into Baltimore and are in okay business with them. And now they're sitting up here heading into Monday night, going to L.A. against the Rams. The first time they've played the Rams since 2015 when they were back in St. Louis. That. Matter of fact, was the game where Joe Flacco tore his uh, ACL when those two teams played back in Baltimore when the Rams were uh, still played in St. Louis and Jeff Fisher, of course, was the head coach of the team. But I mean, it'll be it'll be very interesting to see how the Ravens do against the Rams. I pick and I'll spoil it for a later segment. I picked the Ravens. I know the Ravens are going to win the football game, but still, I mean. They they are they are the I mean and they didn't blow you away with their win against the Bears under any circumstances but they are but they are giving it for what it's worth the defending NFC champions and one and you know and it's and a and they are no, they're no slouch they are no slouch and they and they got to go up against one of the best defensive players in football and Aaron Donald going up at that offensive line it'll be interesting to see how Lamar Jackson and the offensive line. You know, maintain and adjust to, to, to the things that Aaron Donald does, and I guarantee that there's got to be a there's got to be a situation where where if Lamar gets chased by Aaron Donald, he's he's there's gonna be quite a few times where he might have to tuck and run and uh, and turn into Mike Vick on Monday night. But that should be an interesting and entertaining football game. I'm looking forward to it. But all in all, the Ravens have just done a phenomenal job all together. Harbaugh, the coordinators. The GM for for getting Marcus Peters, who's totally reinvented himself from that uh, since he's since he's come here, and then picking up um, Marlon, and then having Marlon Humphreys, who's been a complete game changer on defense. Who I mean has uh, he the man's got to have like five deep four four three four or five. Defensive touchdowns on he's got to have four he's got four defensive touchdowns on the season that finds ways to to interject himself into the game and to make a big play and end up scoring touchdowns for the Ravens every single time you turn around. But I mean, give that give that team a lot of credit. Give the owner credit. Give Harbaugh credit. Give Lamar Jackson credit. Give the quarter. Give the two coordinators credit. Give the current GM and Ozzie Newsom credit because Ozzie Newsom. Stole Lamar Jackson from he stole was was uh was smart enough to trade the last pick in the draft with the Eagles because the Eagles won the won the 2017 
you know, won won the Super Bowl in the 2017 season. So the team that won the Super Bowl automatically has the last pick in the first round of the draft. And so they traded so they traded a pick with the Eagles, got the thirty second pick, which was formerly the Eagles pick, and Ozzy Newsom his first ever first, his last ever first round pick as an as a uh, Ravens GM turns out to be a guy that if he keeps his head on straight and if God forbid he doesn't get hurt or anything could be a uh, could be a game changing Hall of Fame quarterback that that a few years that years down the road will be putting him in the in the Russell Wilson and Rodgers class as far as explosive uh, electric entertaining football uh, excuse me quarterbacks are concerned 66% of his passes he's complete he's got over 2200 passing yards on the season 19 interceptions and five, 19 touchdowns excuse me and five interceptions but give the Ravens team a lot of credit yeah, I mean, I was hard on them early in the year, but they have made me eat Raven, uh, no pun intended, and they they they've balled out against teams that that's been their big test, and and I and honestly, I said it to my friends, I've said it to my buddies, I've said, I honestly, looking at the Raven schedule, do not think they will lose another game until the playoffs. They got the Rams. Which they should win. Wouldn't shock me if they lost, but they should. But they should win. They got the 49ers at home. I don't and please and enough and another thing. Can we can we stop overhyping Jimmy? I mean, he's I get it. He's he's an I get it. He's a handsome man. Ladies love him. He's eye he's eye candy for the for the female football fan. You know he's he's you know he's he's got the charming smile. He was a backup to Tom Brady. He's won a couple Super Bowls as a backup. Flirted with Aaron Andrews, which is who is technically America's still like sports reporter sweetheart, even though she's in her forties. I and and you know and he's done this and he's done that. The Forty ers undefeated. So I, I get all that. But I mean, the guy's not Joe Montana yet. Let's relax and take it easy and let him win something first. He's not Montana or Young yet. Let's relax. But having said all that, there ain't no way he or the 49ers are going to walk into MT Bank Stadium. <laughs> going to walk into MT Bank Stadium Thanksgiving weekend and beat the Ravens at one on, on a one o'clock game at in in uh, MT Bank Stadium. When their body clocks are still at ten in the morning, they are not doing that. They and I will be floored if the if the Ravens lose to the Forty ers because quite frankly, the Ravens are a better team than the Forty ers I'll get to that later on in the program. They play the Bills, which which they should win, the, the no question. And then they get Bryant, and then they get the Jets, who they should blow up by fifty points. That game shouldn't even be a contest on Thursday night football on December twelfth. They play the Browns in Cleveland, which they should easily win, and then they play and then they play the Steelers at home week seventeen. I honestly do not see them losing another game until the playoffs. This team is just that good. Now the problem is they get into the playoffs and they play Kansas City. What are they gonna do? Because under this Lamar Jackson era, this this the second season of this short young Lamar Jackson era is the Ravens can't get past the Kansas City Chiefs. 
So it'll be interesting to see if they went out the rest of the way and they somehow play the Chiefs in the first, you know, and whether it be the division round, they get the bye or the wild card, whatever the case might be. Be interesting to see how they handle Kansas City because Kansas City is giving the Ravens fits now. Back to back years, the Ravens have lost to the Kansas City Chiefs, which seem, which uh, Lamar Jackson has the answers for everything. Tom Brady and Bill Belichick even, but when it comes to well, when it comes to the Chiefs, not just Lamar, but the Ravens team as a whole, they 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 don't have any answers. That's item number one. Item number two, who do I think the NFC West favorite is. And I honestly am sitting here, and I'm going to say it's the Seattle Seahawks. I say it's the Seattle Seahawks, quite frankly, because Seahawks, they've been there. They've done that. They bought the T-shirt. They were in the playoffs last year. They missed it in 17. They they were in it in 16. They were in it in 16, 15, 14, of course. They went to the Super Bowl. 13, they won the Super Bowl. 12, they, and in 2012, they made the playoffs. And this and that's just under the Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll era. They made it in 12, won Super Bowl in 13, made it back in 14, made it to the divisional round in 15, missed it in 16, and made it in 2000, or excuse me, made it in 16, missed it in 17, and then, and of course, we're in the playoffs last year and lost the game that they should have won on the road to the Dallas Cowboys. And I think when it comes to this time of the year, as far as the playoff, uh, the playoff hunt is concerned, experience does fit does fit you well, and and there is benefits to having experienced playoff experienced football players and coaches and people and people and personnel like that around you and a part of your team because Shanahan has because outside of a assistant Shanahan has no playoff experience as an NFL head coach Jimmy Garoppolo outside of being Brady's backup has no experience and and don't slip in to me we played behind Brady and Bra- that's that's Brady okay I could be the backup to Tom Brady for crying out loud and being a backup is not the same as being the guy the head the head leader the guy that everyone in in the locker room looks up to and looks for leadership and I just just simply don't see or think that the 49ers will finish strong and and win this division I'm looking at the Seahawks schedule. This is who they have. They have the Eagles at they go to the Eagles this weekend, which they should win. Eagles, the Eagles offense is very spotty and in the receivers. Nelson Aguilar, I'm talking to you. Can't can't catch anything within a five mile rate within a two uh feet radius. I mean they they couldn't catch the ball. The fate of the ocean depended on it in the Patriot game. I'll discuss that later on in the program. They play the Vikings at home on Monday night, which they should take care of. They play the Rams. They should definitely take care of business against the Rams. They play the Panthers, who they should beat. They play the Cardinals, who they should beat at home, by the way, and the 49ers at home. They I honestly don't see the Seahawks losing another game. I see them going. 14 and 2 this season and winning the division. Meanwhile, you look at San Francisco. San Francisco, they play. Who do they play? They play they play the Packers on Sunday night, which they should lose. Uh well not should lose, but who I I think I predict that they will lose to the forty to the uh to the Packers on Sunday night. They play the Ravens, which I told you a few minutes ago, they're not beating the Ravens. That that crit that unstoppable Ravens team in a in the Eastern time zone. They are not beating them in Baltimore in Eastern No, not happening. They're not beating the Saints in New Orleans. 
So give them a loss there. They that's that's three in a row. They they'll beat the Falcons, so they get a win there. And then they'll they should take care of business against the Rams at home. So I mean, I see them going 0 and 3, 1 and 3, 2 and th- I see them 3 and 3 at season's end compared to the Seahawks 6 and 0. And I, and that's just the way, and that's the way I see it. I see I I think the Seahawks are, fav- are my favorites in my opinion to win the NFC West. Who do I think the top team in the NFL is? That would have to be that would have to be three teams really the Patriots the the 49ers, and the Ravens and the Ravens and the Ravens I think are the, are the best team in the NFL like I said team that's fully balanced they got a kicker who can who can make a big kick Justin Tucker their defense has been phenomenal as of this hot streak that they've been on throughout the month of October and November, Lamar Jackson has totally proved me has has made me eat my words and have proved me wrong and have proved the haters and the doubters wrong because he has he's offensive player of the year if not if not and or MVP so he, and you he, he take that into account and not not to mention they've done it against tougher not to mention they've done it to, against tougher opponents. So I have to say the Ravens. And I'll touch on the Ravens and the 49ers because that's the subject I want I want to touch on in my next uh, segment after the break. Uh let's see. Do the Vikings come back? Then we'll get on the three teams that that stink and we need to put to bed as far as the 2019 NFL season is concerned. The Minnesota Vikings, uh they Beat the Denver Broncos with a come from behind win. Where let me see, I can't even find it on my uh, dopey sheet. Here it is the 20 point comeback by the Vikings, fourth tied fourth largest comeback in franchise history as they came all the way back to beat the Denver Broncos 27 to 23. Kirk Cousins, believe it or not, has played like a real competent quarterback as of late 29 for 35, 319 passing yards, three touchdowns. They, the Broncos silenced Dalvin Cook, but the problem was they didn't silence Stephon Diggs, who absolutely ripped up the Broncos' secondary with five receptions, 121 yards, and, a, and one touchdown. And the Vikings are now sitting at 8-3, and three, and only they themselves, by losing five straight games in a row, could or or losing uh, four of the next five or something crazy like that, only they could... Uh, ruin their hopes of being a playoff team, and it would not shock. And it, and they still are in position to steal the NFC North from the Green Bay Packers. But but what a phenomenal job by the Vikings! I mean, Kirk Cousins he 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 played well uh, last a uh, few weeks ago against the Cowboys on the road on Sunday night. But this team's real test is next week when they go on the road to play Seattle on Monday Night Football, where, if you recall correctly, the last time those two teams played on Monday Night Football in Seattle, no less, was was literally last December last December last year, December two thousand eighteen, where Kirk Cousins and the Vikings defense included vomited all over themselves and were a complete abomination in the game. So that will be the Vikings' real test to see if they're for real. 
three teams, three teams that I want to write off for 2019. First of all, the Lions. Again, uh, the Lions, they get in their own way. The Lions are just, I mean, and I don't even know how to explain it. I mean, they let Dak Prescott throw for 444 yards and three touchdown passes. I mean, how? And Michael Gallup was essentially... Michael Gallup was essentially Michael Irvin in the game, and Randall Cobb was essentially uh, Drew Pearson in the game. Randall Cobb had four receptions, 115 yards, and a touchdown, and Michael Gallup had nine receptions for 148 uh, receiving yards and no touchdowns, but still... I mean, oh my, you shut down Zeke, good. Now stop Dak Prescott in a passing attack, which is something that the, that the Detroit Lions could not do. And the Detroit, and all I ever heard about was, and I hear this all the time with the, with the Belichick assistants, as if they're going to be Belichick 2.0, go to the team that they just got the job, you know, to go to their new employer and all of a sudden change the, there's only one Bill Belichick and only Bill Belichick can do, can do that. Just because you're an assistant to Belichick doesn't automatically make you the next Belichick or the next Vince Lombardi of Bill Walsh. Doesn't work that way. And all I ever heard was about this Patriots defense, this and Patriots defense that. I'm like, guys, did you not see the disgusting literally uh, Matt Patricia's final act as a as a New England Patriots defensive coordinator was letting a backup quarterback throw for throw for four hundred yards and allowed a, an offense led by backup quarterback put up forty one points. Forty one points. So I so don't sit here and try to tell me that Matt Patricia is essentially the next Bill Belichick. When when I got his defense when I got his defense giving up 40, 40, 404 passing yards to Dak Prescott, who isn't exactly Troy Aikman. He's good, but he's no but he's not a patch on Aikman's or Starbucks ass, gotta be honest. When he's throwing four hundred four hundred and forty four passing yards, three touchdowns, and have and I got Michael Gallup looking like essentially like he's Michael Irvin in the game. And I, I I can't I can't I can't I can't take you I can't take you seriously as a quote unquote defensive guru when I see that and then your and then your final and then when and then your final farewell act as a New England Pages defensive coordinator Nick Foles is a good player don't get me wrong but still you had two weeks to prepare for a backup quarterback in the Super Bowl a game that you were in a year later. I mean the Patriots had all the experience and had. The only thing they didn't have on their side was 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 uh, karma, I guess if you could say. But as far as like the on field stuff, they had everything in their advantage, and Matt Patricia let Nick Foles set his defense on fire in his final act as Patriots defensive coordinator. So I've had so I've had it with the Lions. The other team I've had it with is the Chicago Bears, who have been a who've been a bunch of complete complete frauds this season. Complete frauds. The kicker can't make a kick. I. It, it, Cody Parkey this year, Eddie Pinheiro. It was Cody Parkey last year, Eddie Pinheiro this year. I don't. Whatever kicker they bring in, odds are they suck, and they and they can't make a field goal if the fate of the universe depended on it. I mean, holy crap! How many missed field goals? Mitch Trubisky, who they got, who they benched in midway through the game because of a quote-unquote injury, when the fact of the matter is that Mitch Trubisky honestly stinks. I mean, I've said it before and I'll say it again. What decent, not even Hall of Fame, but what decent quarterbacks you know come out of the University of North Carolina? 
I mean, 24 for 43 with 190 yards, a touchdown pass, and an interception is not what I'm asking for for my franchise quarterback going up against the Rams on the road on primetime television Sunday Night Football. So, enough with the Bears, okay? The Demons play decent in the game, but the offense is an eyesore to watch. They can't run the football. Why let Jordan Howard go? I have no idea. Mitchell Trubisky stinks as a quarterback. Matt Nagy stinks as a play caller. En enough of the Bears for this year. Uh, write them off. I've, I've had it with the Bears. I've had it. Another team Another team that I'm, that I'm starting to become sick of is the kids this is the Los Angeles Chargers. They've lost ten of their last eleven games against the Kansas City against the Kansas City Chiefs. They Phillip Rivers, who granted hasn't had the best situation, moving playing in a playing in a thirty thousand seat soccer stadium that they can't even manage to sell out. Moving from San Diego to LA, having one of the worst owners in football in Dean Spanos, I and having kickers not being able to make a clutch kick. I understand all that, but after all those seasons where you felt sorry for Phillip Rivers and the poor season that the Chargers had was his teammates' fault, now the tables have turned, and this season is because of it's Phillip Rivers' fault. I don't care about the fact that he threw for nearly 400 passing. Nobody gives a crap that Phillip Rivers is top 10, top 5 in the league in passing runs. What I care about is the fact that he threw four interceptions and probably should have thrown six or seven if, for example, Tyron Matthew doesn't drop a doesn't drop a meatball, a God given early Christmas gift in the air that I could have caught in what midway through the third quarter, whatever it was. I mean, I mean, enough of the charges. And Philip, his zip, his zip on his fastball is gone. His accuracy is in the toilet. Enough, enough, enough of the charges. And by the way, the defense stinks. So uh, enough of the enough enough of the charges. And as far as Patriots Eagles is concerned, uh, the Patriots have all, have problems offensively. They can't they can't seem to muster up that drive to really put them away. Late in ball games, whatever the case might be, but I mean, if you are Brady McDaniel's. But, Somebody on that off has got to get a grip and figure out what the heck is the problem with our offense, because it is November. It is mid-November, less than a month, about a month away before uh, before Christmas, and you blink and we'll be in the new year in January playoff time. They've got to get this offense together if they expect to win a seventh championship. And I don't know. It's the fact it's, it's with the the Antonio Brown situation that went down. Brady just misses Gronk really badly, or Amendola, whatever the case might be. But this offense is not clicking. And if you're a Patriot coach or a player on the offensive side, you've got to find a way, some way, somehow to get this offense back to being the most feared in the league. Because even though it is Tom Brady. That you you uh, you can't you you're not you can't be you're not afraid of this offense. I mean, I mean the I mean look at it this way: the Eagles lost this game, but they gave up but they gave up less points in this game than they did in the Super Bowl. They won the Super Bowl. They won they won that game again. You know they won the championship game, but the Patriots scored thirty three points. It's the same system. 
20-something months later, two seasons later, and they only managed to score 17. And all they're missing is, what, one, one, two players? And I get they were key parts of the offense, but outside of Gronk, what, Danny Amendola, Danny Amendola is not a Hall of Fame wide receiver, you kidding me? Nor, nor is Edelman. You can't put Edelman in the Hall of Fame, and, the, and they, again, that's nonsense. The, the, best, the best, greatest Hall of Fame weapon Brady's ever had was Gronk. That's it. Gronk, Hall of Fame, tight end in the, in the NFL. Hall of Fame. Edelman, he, he's not. I'm sorry. I, I don't give a crap about what he does in the, in the postseason. This isn't, base, this isn't like baseball where, you know, postseason games, it's best of five, best of seven. You're going up there three, four times a night, you know, in a, in a one-month period. Playoffs is one game. And to, and most of the teams that they play in the division round of playoffs anyway aren't even aren't that good. Texans, Titans, I mean, I mean, Chiefs. I mean, come on, you know, prior to the Patrick Mahomes, but with Alex Smith at quarterback. But I mean, come on now. So if I'm any part of the bill, if I'm part of the Patriots offensive side of the football, you get you gotta wake up and smell the coffee and find out something quick, fast, and in a hurry because it's mid November and the Patriots we as with the last couple of years they, they've starting to show signs that their dynasty's coming to a close, but yet somehow, some way, just when you write them off, they come right back and they come right back from the dead. They bite you in the hind parts and they and they and they, and you blink and they wind up uh, hoisting the Vince Lombardi Trophy in the beginning of February, but I mean, if the Patriots want to win that seventh Lombardi, they got to figure out something quick, fast, and in a hurry. Another thing with the Eagles, uh, okay, can Nelson Aguilar catch the ball, please? I mean, plenty of separation, fourth and long. You need the, you need this, you need this down, you need this play for you to stay alive in the in the game if you want to win it. And I got Nelson Aguilar, who's essentially had nine miles of space around him, and the back of the end zone all by his lonesome drop a ball that hit him square in his hands. When he was perfectly placed in the end zone, all he has to do is catch it and and you know fall on the side, and the Eagles win the game most likely. But uh, I mean that that was a bad job, Aguilar. Who who had a who also if you remember had a crucial crucial ju- drop. In a divisional game against the Saints back in January. But anyway, take a break. I give my thoughts on the asinine notion that the San Francisco 49ers are the top best team in football. Give you my thoughts on that right after the break.
Welcome back to Yamatel Like TIS Podcast. I told you I was going give to give you my thoughts on the Ravens being ranked second behind the San Francisco 49ers in this week's NFL.com power rankings. I mean, what a joke. I mean, what what a joke that is. I mean, and, I, and I'm and I'm no Ravens fan, as you guys know, but I'm not, I, I got to call out right is right and wrong is wrong and call a spade a spade and tell like a T.I. is when, when I find something that's not right. How in the world? And they have now. If they've played head to head and the Ravens have lost, I get it. That's one thing, and they haven't played yet. But still, I get it. That's one thing. But the Ravens, do you know who they've beaten? Do you know who they've beaten this season? As of late, I'm, I might add, who they've beaten. Like I said, Seahawks on the road, one of the toughest places to play in all of sports. They beat the Seahawks thirty to sixteen. The 49ers lost to the Seahawks in overtime a few weeks ago. The Patriots. Sunday Night Football at home. Tom Brady. Patriots. That team, remember them? Yeah, they beat them. The week at, well, not the week after they had by, but still, beat the Patriots. Beat the, beat the playoff team, but Sean Watson and the Texans last week, 41 7. They've had competition. They've had they've had competition. They have had competition. Seahawks, Patriots, those games alone. Th- th- those games alone. Those games alone. They're better. Fortnite has lost to the Seahawks. I mean, and and look, look who the foot. I mean, they've they've beaten. Now that's only two opponents, but those are those are two big time opponents that are Super Bowl favorites. Look who look who the 49ers have beat. The 49ers, the the Ravens already have played that to after this after they played the Rams and the 49ers. The Ravens toughest part of their schedule. That's behind them. They they've been they've been that done. They cross that off their checklist. Really, their their real last test is how they do against the 49ers. but the Ravens, for the most part, they've passed. They've passed. They, they've passed their test. They they've done what I asked them to do, and that's beat the tough. That that's beat the. That is to beat the tough opponents. Who the 49ers have beaten? They lost to Seattle first loss of the season. They came within three points of losing to the Cardinals. Ravens beat the Cardinals by twenty three seventeen. Early in the season, and they beat the Cardinals again. Okay, whatever. But they lost to the Seahawks. I mean, look look at the teams who they who they've played: the Buccaneers, the Bengals. I mean, that's that's two laps right out the gate to begin the season. The Browns. I mean, Baker Mayfield turnover machine. No, thank you. The Rams who the Rams who have regressed. Uh uh-uh. uh. Redskins. No, I mean, not, I get it, it was 9 nothing in, in a monsoon, but what, you want credit for beating the Redskins? being And beating a, a Panthers, a one-man Panthers team in Christian McCaffrey? I mean, the, the Christian McCaffrey is the, is the Panther team. He's the whole, he's their whole team. And they beat them 51-13. What do you want, a, what do you want, an ice cream sundae? I mean, give me a break. Look at the teams that the 49ers have played and beaten compared to the Ravens. Ravens have two 
that circle for you, and really the one, and really one of them only stand, only one of them stands out like a sore thumb. They, they, not, and I don't mean got out there by the head of chin chin chin. They defiantly and conveniently beat the Seahawks in Seattle. By the way, Forty ers Flushed down, flushed down a like a what a 10, 13 point lead to the Seahawks at home on Monday Night Football. Let Russ Wilson work his magic, and they lost twenty seven to twenty four. Ravens are the better team in the NFL. I don't give a crap what Dan Hanges says. What's and I don't, I don't care. I'm going off of the eye test, and the eye test for anyone that has a lick of sense knows anything about football and comparing teams, and has watched a little football in their, you know, in their day, and have watched football this season like I have, and examined it and analyzing it carefully and properly, you would know that the Ravens are a way, way, way better team than the 49ers, way better. I can trust Lamar Jackson to go down the field. Jimmy, I'm not too sure. Not to mention, if the game comes down to a field goal, what you going to trust some guy to get off the streets or are you getting Justin Tucker? Now, the proof, the proof, the devil being the details, proof will be in the pudding when these two teams play December the 1st on Thanksgiving weekend. Next Sunday. But let's be honest. The Ravens beat the Seahawks. 49ers lost to them. Ravens are the best team of football. I don't give a damn about what some NFL.com power rankings crap says. This is the same NFL power rankings that thought that thought at the what a few weeks ago that the Seahawks were better. I mean, they had the same relative record, but they thought the Seahawks were better than the Ravens, even though the Ravens went into Seattle and beat the Seahawks convincingly. Yet the Ravens were were ranked below the Seahawks, and they had relatively the same record. So later for that, take a break, touch on Tua, and give you his give you my thoughts on his injury scenario right after this. Welcome back to Amatel Like a TIS podcast. Switching gears now to college football, and well, it kind of relates to NFL football, but it's a college football headline. Uh, Alabama quarterback Tua Tagalavala, whatever whatever his uh, name is, he this past weekend, in case you didn't hear, you forgot, or just as a reminder, he ended up fracturing. I believe it was a fr- I believe it was a fracture with his hip. Uh, 
kid fractured uh, his hip uh, in a uh, in a blowout defeat for Alabama against Michigan. Not Michigan State, Mississippi State. The team uh, Alabama was up thirty five to seven, I believe, at heading into halftime, and Nick Saban essentially had him and the regular. Excuse me, the regular starters out there, as a you know, Nick Saban said it was a you know two minute drill. I mean, Nick, 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 Nicholas, 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 come back to us, okay? He, he run two minute drills in practice on Monday, on Monday afternoon. I mean, it, thirty. I mean, when you're trying to, when you've you know, when you haven't been necessarily one of your best Alabama teams in years past. And you just and you're coming off a loss to LSU, where your team repeatedly shot themselves in the foot over and over and over again, and you're up thirty-five to seven against a hapless Mississippi State team. I I, I don't want to hear, nor does any Alabama fan want to hear. Well, run two-minute drill, Nick. Two-minute drill. That's what practice is for. Okay, two-minute drill heading at a halftime when you're up twenty-eight. And you're trying, and you're trying your best, and you're scratching and clawing to make, to, trying to get into that, squeeze into that, uh, get one of those four spots in the college football playoff. I don't want to hear talking about. And I get it. He's Nick Saban, greatest one of great, greatest college football coach in my lifetime, and one of the greats of in a his in a hundred and fifty year history of college football. But that that's a little rough, tough to take if I'm an Alabama fan, or if you're part of to a camp. That that's looking forward to this guy's career in the NFL. I mean that that I gotta be honest. That is that's a tough to take. I mean up up twenty eight points against Mississippi State, and you and two minute drill. Nick, let the get, come back to us. I know you're in coaching mode, and you and Belichick when you get into when you get into coaching mode, you guys get a little bit robotic. One of the reasons why you guys are so successful. But have a little bit of emotion and common sense involved in this. The kid has no business being in the game when you're up twenty eight. When you're trying, when you're trying to squeeze your way into a college football playoff after just coming after you losing to LSU at home, no less. By the way, either where where you spit all over yourselves in the game, penalties, penalties. Uh, the punter missing, missing, uh, not paying attention, letting the snap, letting the ball, letting uh, letting the ball get snapped and go right through his hands. Dopey penalties, turnovers all over the place, piss poor defense. You name it. I mean, they vomited all over themselves in the LSU game. But still, I don't want to hear a two minute drill, Nick. That's what practice is for. Okay. You run you run the two minute drills with with the backup with the backup guy who's who's trying who wants to get some action and wants to play by the time Tua either graduates or moves on to the NFL. Two minute drill. Oh my goodness. I mean, that that that's a joke. I'm sorry. That's a joke. Fourteen of eighteen, two hundred and fifty six yards, two touchdown passes when you're up thirty five seven against Mississippi State. I, I say that's enough. And that, that's where you kinda alright, fine, let's let's get our key guys out of here before they get hurt. And lo and behold, the guy rolls to his left and dislocates his hit hip, which ends the season and really puts Alabama in a rut as they're trying to make the final four for the college football playoff, which will not be easy on any circumstances. And and most likely they might not make it, which would be a first time in a while. I get. I 
most likely the first time in this since they've had this format where Alabama has not been in the Final Four, and certainly first time in, in a good little while where Alabama has not participated in the national championship game. So, so you take that into account as item number one. Item, item number two is the fact that how Tua's injury affects the NFL landscape as far as tanking for Tua is concerned. Um, so, of course, the Bengal and this injury does. I mean, if you don't think this injury does something to his draft stock, you are nuts. I mean, this hip injury, this hip injury could have significant effects on the rest of Tua's career. So, I mean, if he, again, if you don't think that that, that this injury doesn't play a part in this, you're not paying attention, which is all of a sudden why the league, not the league, but fans of the teams that are tanking, so a la the Bengals, the Dolphins, the Jets, and the uh, teams, teams that are tanking in need for a quarterback, and you see, you see why they've all of a sudden gone crazy over... Uh, over Jake Burrow, who who beat Tua in LSU Alabama a few weeks ago, so I mean, teams like the Dolphins, Bengals, of course, and they need for a quarterback. Uh, Broncos and not Redskins, they have a quarterback in uh, Haskins, but you know, t- teams teams in uh, well, the Dolphins and Bengals are a perfect example. Two and two teams that are looking for quarterbacks and. Two teams are looking for quarterbacks, and they got options. Do they go to Burrow? Do they go to Tua? So this, you know, it, teams will they'll there'll be a quarterback available, whether it be him or Burrow or somebody else. But this definitely, if you don't think this doesn't hurt his draft stock, you're nuts. Coming off of a coming off of a hip injury, that you are absolutely freaking nuts. Now I'm not saying he'll drop out of the first round. But he'll go from an early first round draft pick to a mid late first round draft pick just because of how crucial that hip injury uh, is to his ability as a player and to his draft stock. So take a break, come back. I got one little uh, tidbit of information I want to share with you, and then get to week 12 preview and picks right after the break. Tell like a TIS podcast. Headed back to the NFL talk. Want to give you guys a little piece of, uh, give you a little nugget of information because it's the NFL's 100th season and everything. And who better to educate you on the history of the National Football League and its 100th season 
than than a guy who's practically a sports historian and my biggest influencers and one of my favorite sports media guys ever, my buddy Christopher Mandel Russo. Listen to this clip from one of his sh- from uh, his show early in the week on CSXM Mad Dog Sports Radio Channel 82. You can hear that show weekday afternoons 3 to 6 in the east, uh, noon to 3 out west. But here's a clip on some NFL history that I... I did not know. I guarantee you, you guys didn't know. So listen up. You threw a pass in the 20s and the 30s in the NFL, and you threw it incomplete in the end zone. You know the ball, the defense got the ball back at the 20-yard line? So who the hell's going to throw the ball in the end zone? It's a stiff penalty. No wonder they run it. They run the ball. Did you know that? Did you know teams punted on third down for field position? Every game was 2 nothing. Did you know that? 3 nothing. Do you know that, you know, a half the, every game, the, the team that lost never scored. Did you know that? Did you know they played the championship game one year at Chicago Stadium and they played at an 80-yard field? They couldn't play outdoors because of ice. So they played a championship game inside at Chicago Stadium and they played on a weird dimension, 80-yard field, seven yards width instead of the normal width, whatever it was. Did you know in the old days that if you ran out of bounds, they placed the ball at that nearest point where you ran out of bounds? So if you ran out of bounds at the 40-yard line on a sideline, you didn't get the ball at the first hash mark. You got the ball right where you ran the ball out of bounds. They snapped it right there, to two, you know, two yards on the end line. How can you run your offense? You can't use the left side of the field. You're out of bounds. You got to go the other way. So Marshall put in the hash marks where they moved the ball to the hash mark so you can start your offense there. Did you know that? Did you know in the old days, in the first 11, 12 years of the NFL, you know they decided who the champion was? The owner voted at the end of the year who the champion was. So if you were 6-0, if you went 6-1-6 and with six ties and the other team went 11-2-1, if that team had a, if that's a worse winning percentage because ties didn't count. So 6-1 and one beat 11-2. So that's how they decided a champion. So what did Marshall do? Marshall said, this is stupid. We got to have a championship game. Do it like a World Series. So they broke it up east and west. And they finally had their first championship game. I believe that was in 1932 or three. Did you know that? Did you know that? Did you know that Marshall was the first guy that started the halftime band and halftime music? First guy with the team song. And his wife told him, "This is you got it. This is ridiculous. And we cannot play football this way." So what did Marshall do? He drafted Sammy Ball. Ball comes to Washington out of Texas. He says, "Sammy, I don't care about the score. Throw the football. Throw it all over the place." I did not know that, and leave it to my man Christopher Mad Dog Russo to inform you on things like that. I honestly did not know that. Especially the one that was really surprising was the hash marks one, where they would put the ball the closest to inbounds where the guy ran out of bounds. So if you ran out of bounds, like you said, on like either side of the field, you couldn't use that side of the field that they ran out of bounds on. So literally the defense and everyone knew that if you if you were like within two yards of being out of bounds on the right side of the field, everyone in the stadium or in the field knew defense coaches included that your play, whatever it was, was veering was veering left or or and uh, vice versa. But Shout out to my man Mad Dog Unleashed for dropping that uh, hint of knowledge on uh, his fan base earlier this week. Okay, uh, switching gears now. 
excuse me, to week 12 of the National Football League. Three games I'm not to talk about, then we'll get to the picks, and that'll be the end of the program. Game number one is the Seahawks and the Philadelphia Eagles. Carson Wentz at home, 18 and 7, 45 touchdowns, 11 interceptions compared to 10 and 15 on the road, 41 touchdowns, 21 interceptions. Uh, when these two teams played two years ago in the Eagles Super Bowl season in Seattle on Sunday night, which this game was originally scheduled for, but was flexed out for Packers and 49ers, you can understand why. Uh, but when these two teams played on Sunday night in Seattle during the Eagles Super Bowl season in the year that the Seahawks ended up missing the playoffs, uh, the Seahawks won quite easy, quite handedly against the uh, against the um, against the forty excuse me, the forty nineers against the Eagles. Uh, and these two teams will face up again this week. Seahawks coming off of their Monday coming off of their uh, Monday night win against the. Uh, not coming off the Monday night win. Who they play? Uh, last week. Last week was their bye. Excuse me. I should. Not, my brain is just having its moments. They had a bye last week. Coming off of the their previous game of beating the Forty ers in overtime on Monday night football. Meanwhile, the Eagles, like I mentioned earlier in the program, coming off of a tough loss at the hands of New England Patriots. Uh, last Sunday. That should be an interesting, entertaining football game. I expect the Seahawks to win it and get back on track and to take this division from the 49ers while the Eagles sitting at 5-5. Five and five, You really got to make some headway within the next few games if they, if they want to expect to win the to win the NFC East because if you're the Cowboys, the Eagles, you got to win the NFC East in order for you to win the division because there are two – because there are – because you got the two teams in the north with the with the uh, Vikings and the Packers and then out west it's re- and then out west it's crowded with the Rams, Seahawks and 49ers. So if you want to make the playoffs via winning your division because you have no other alternative, Eagles got to get together quick fast and in a hurry as they're sitting at 5 and 5. Second game I want second game I want to discuss is the Sunday night game between the Packers and the 49ers. Aaron Rodgers is 9 and 1 or better for the face facing a team 9 and 1 and better for the first time in his career this late in the season. Uh let's see. Uh let me see, let me see, let me see, let me see. Aaron Rodgers in prime time. This is in prime time game since 2016. 63% completion percentage, averaging 293 passing yards a game with a pass rating of 102. Uh, Jimmy G, 66% completion percentage, averaging 252 passing yards in a game with a 101.8 passer rating. Entering week 12, Aaron Rodgers, 130 consecutive ten, uh, passing attempts without an interception, third longest active streak in the NFL. 49ers, only team in the NFL that ranked in the top five in total scoring offense and and total and scoring offense in top five and top five and scoring defense in the same season. They're going to have to find find a way to stop Aaron Jones, who's been Aaron Rodgers' right-hand man with the running attack. They finally have found a competent running back since the old days of Eddie Lacy, but the 49ers have averaged 225 rushing uh, yards per game versus teams currently ranked in the bottom 10 against rush defense, which has been the Achilles heel for the Green Bay Packers this season, is that they cannot stop the run if their lives 
and if the fate of the universe depended on it, should be one of the best football games, if not the best football game of the weekend. They flex the Sunday night football for a prime purpose and a reason. The combined record between these two teams is seven is seventeen and three. The both of these teams looking to get top seed in the NFC in the NFC playoff picture. Should be very entertaining to see how Jimmy G and the 49ers they Sun, they already played. They got the primetime boogaboos out the way with the Seahawks game. They lost that game. Little bit of a little bit of a tougher calling order this time around. Going up against Aaron Rodgers, who's been there, done that, bought the T-shirt, and this rejuvenated, revamped uh, Green Bay Packers team, whose pass, whose whose pass defense has been good. And whose offensively is clicking just like it used to back a few back a few years back in a few days ago when they were under uh Mike McCarthy. That's the second game that I will touch on here. Third game, last but certainly not least, is Ram excuse me, is Ravens and Rams, Monday Night Football, eight fifteen on ESPN. Uh, Rams six and four coming off of a uh, coming off of a Sunday night win against the Chicago Bears last week. Back to back primetime games for the Rams. Meanwhile, the Ravens play their second primetime game in three games. Of course, playing the playing the Patriots on Sunday night football a few weeks of uh, about a handful of weeks ago, and then playing the Texans on on one o'clock, and then back in the primetime window this time on Monday night, the first Monday night game in two years since November two thousand seventeen, when they uh, played and they beat the Houston Texans. But of course, they were on Sunday night last year when they were on the road and uh, beat the and when they were on the road and beat the Steelers last year. So uh, they make their so, not uh, I don't know why I threw that. That's a that's a tidbit. This one. I don't know why that was the more that would have been more appropriate for when they played the Patriots game than this game because I got it confused again. My mind is just give me all sorts of uh, fits today. I apologize, but again, Ravens first Monday Night Football game in two years. Uh, eight and two, Lamar Jackson. Like I told you at the top of the program. One of the best players in the NFL by far. Ravens, hands down, Ravens' best player on the team. Should no doubt get Offensive Player of the Year and wouldn't be mad if he got MVP over Russell Wilson. He's just that freaking good, along with the Ravens' defense, which is no slouch either. Rams, they haven't been the same explosive, uh, powerful Rams team as that we've seen in, in, uh, in, in seasons past, in 2018, especially in 2017. But then again, they are the Rams, the defending NFC champions. They are a, t- a quote-unquote test on the Ravens' calendar. Be interested to see how they play the Rams in L.A. in their first ever trip to the Coliseum to play the Los Angeles Rams. The Ravens, of course, made a trip into quote-unquote L.A. last year when they went to Carson and played the Chargers back in late December. So that's the three games. Uh... It's that I preview for week 12 in the National Football League. It is time for the week 12 picks in the league where they play full pay.
First off, Dolphins and Browns. Browns. I'll pick them to win this football game by the final score of 27 to 17. Denver and the Bills. Bills favored minus four points. I picked the Bills to win by three points, 24-21. Pittsburgh favored minus six and a half against the Cincy, against my remaining winless 0-10 Cincinnati Bungles. We're bungling for Burrow. But damn it, I'd like us to beat Pittsburgh to get our first win of the season. And I hope that they and I hope that they do. But I don't but according to my pick, I think we'll drop to 0-11 heading into Thanksgiving. First team eliminated, and the funny, the Bengals, not that they're actually funny, it's actually kind of sad and pathetic, that the Bengals are the first team since yours truly was an infant back in 2002, where a team has was eliminated from playoff contention that early in the season. Bengals, of course, with their uh, tough loss against the Raiders last week, eliminated from postseason contention. The Pittsburgh Steelers will win the game against the Bengals 17-14. Meanwhile, the Giants and the Bears, like I told you early on, who had lost to the Rams last Sunday night, I have the and the Bears a favorite minus six points. I picked the Bears to win that game, 17-13. Raiders a favorite minus three against the Jets. They've been on a hot streak lately and are currently sitting, I believe, in the sixth seed in the AFC playoff picture. Oakland, I believe, will continue their winning ways on the road against the Jets, 28-16. Panthers and Saints. Saints, of course, have been flying below the radar, but have been on fire this season. It will continue. I believe the Rams will win, 31-13. Favorite minus 9.5 points, by the way, is the betting line. Bucks, Buccaneers, and Falcons. Falcons. They've found a way to win football games as of late. I think that will continue. Famous Jameis and his turnovers. I believe the uh, Falcons will win 24, or excuse me, 29-24. Detroit favored minus three and a half. Going up against the Redskins who lost to the Jets last week. I believe the Lions will take care of business against Washington and win by a touchdown 24-2. 17. Moving on now to Seahawks and the Eagles. Seahawks once again coming off of a bye week uh where the where their previous game they had beaten the uh San Francisco 49ers in overtime on Monday night football like I previ- like I previously stated. Uh, let's get the music here going again. Where they beat the 49ers in overtime via field goal 27-24 to against the San Francisco 49ers on Monday Night Football. Going up against the Eagles, like I previously mentioned a few minutes ago. Losing to the Patriots at home last Sunday. Eagles favorite minus a point and a half. Wow. I, but I got the Seahawks winning 26-17. to The Jaguars and the Titans. Jaguars coming off a loss against the Colts. And the Titans, I expect them to lose another game. 
23-17 Jacksonville. Meanwhile, Dallas at New England. I believe the Pets will continue to win ball games despite their offensive troubles. I got the Patriots winning by a field goal, 23-20. The Sunday night game between the Pack and the 49ers. I'm going with Aaron Rodgers and that bad man that he is on Sunday night on the primetime stage. Green Bay will hand San Francisco their second loss of the season, and albeit and ironically in prime time at in San Francisco or Santa Clara, I should say. Again, I believe Green Bay will win 28 to 24. Last game of Week 12, the Ravens favored by a field goal, heading into Los Angeles to take on the Rams. Ravens, I believe, will continue their winning ways and walk out of the Coliseum heading into Thanksgiving and Thanksgiving weekend and ending the month of November with a win, with a clean sweep, with a clean sweep of the month of October and November and being the Rams 28-13. to 13. Well, that's our show. Thanks for listening. Uh, if you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe. And if you, if you like what you heard and you're new to the program, be sure to subscribe on whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Anchor, whatever the case might be. Uh, share it with your friends, family, relatives, acquaintances, teammates, whatever the case, co-workers, whatever the case might be, who enjoy a little bit of sports talk podcasting. Uh, I'm Jai Shields. Enjoy week 12. <laughs> of the National Football League, everybody. And expect a midweek episode around between Tuesday evening and some, or sometime Wednesday, a little midweek Thanksgiving episode of the Amateur Podcast. Look out for that. And always be on the lookout for next week's episode next weekend. Enjoy week 12 of the National Football League, everybody. Y'all take care. Have a good weekend. I will talk to you next week. God bless. Take care. See ya.